0: Hello, you're very welcome to this edition of Voices from the Archives, the Irish Life and Lore series. I'm Maurice O'Keefe. This week's podcast is The Story of the Irish Palatines in Kerry. And it is a most interesting story, and it all starts in 1709 when approximately 800 families fleeing from their homeland in Germany arrived in Ireland. They settled around the country in pockets, mostly in West Limerick. Some of those that settled in West Limerick came south into Kerry. And this podcast tells the story of the descendants and how they settled and integrated with the local community. But first we start with Austin Bovenizer, who I met at the museum in Ratkeel, and he explains to me why they
3: left Germany the reasons for leaving the palatinate um there was a number of reasons it, it is documented it was religious persecution and you would have heard that a lot in the past but that's only one version and there was an element of religious persecution but it was very small and and that was really about the french invading the palatinate and and they being catholic and 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 the, many of the palatines being protestant and of course uh but i mean france wasn't invading to turn them into catholics they were invading because they wanted they wanted the land you know and uh where was the land okay you're you're bordering alsace and luxembourg there it's it's southwest uh germany and um today the province is known as as rheinland false or just simply false or defaults and uh it's a wine producing area now it's very central in europe so a lot of wars that were going on They were always stuck in the middle of war, and uh, armies were crisscrossing the Palatinate, and confiscating their crops, their homes, their crops to feed armies, their homes to house soldiers or hospitals. Yeah, and this was, you know, the Thirty Years' War had just taken place, and then you had Louis XIV invading the Palatinate, claiming it as his after the Elector, the ruler in the Palatinate, had died, and there was a family connection, so he's that Louis XIV thought that it should be his, and so he invaded on a number of occasions, carried out scorched earth policies, and destroyed everything in sight, so that they'd have no sustenance, and many of them had to flee into the forest. Uh, there's a there's an area called the falserwald which is uh, a, a a very large forest, I, uh, bigger actually than the Black Forest, and they fled into that to, 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 to flee from the, the persecution and uh, of the of of the French. And while all these wars were going on, uh, Queen Anne, there was agents of Queen Anne in England, travelling around Europe, trying trying to entice um, Protestants to move and settle in America, to strengthen English interests there. And so they had been listening to that for quite a period of number of years, and so they started to leave, uh, travel down the Rhine into Rotterdam and And with great expectations of what you know what was to await them, now, these were ordinary folk travelling uh,
0: with their families, and carried very little with them only the skills they had in farming. and they were quite industrious as well. Uh, and when they arrived first in London, they settled outside London in in tents and uh, remained there until such time as they were moved from there. And that's when Austen tells us about how
3: they managed to get to Ireland. They were stranded in London and the English didn't know what to do with them. And when an invitation came from the Irish Parliament uh, to to settle some of them in Ireland, uh, they they very quickly latched onto that and uh, they, uh, there was an invitation extended for 500 families but the, um because of the, the problems that were being co- caused in london and the you know the conflict they actually sent over 821 families and they crossed from london to chester on specially built carts uh on mud track roads the, the ruts were so deep on that the axles actually dragged along the road and when you met somebody coming th- uh, towards you you had somebody had somebody had to give way and that meant digging a channel to get out of the ruts i see and so and there was many fatalities crossing england into chester uh from there they sailed into dublin and they were they were housed in places like collins barracks which is now part of the national museum there's there's actually the the square in the center used to be called palatine square and today there's a, a a conference room and it's called the palatine room Uh, as a nod to the Palatines being housed there. uh, Collins Barracks, or as it was called back then, the Royal Barracks, had only been built about seven or eight years and uh, uh, it was used for this purpose anyway to house the Palatines, some of the Palatines. And from Dublin then they were dispersed onto various estates around the country. Uh, Many, And they were being compensated by the British Crown uh, to do so. Many landlords weren't particularly interested in them. The Palatines Still having these expectations of acquiring land and whatever, would very quickly become unhappy and uh, wanted to either go back to Germany or get on to America. But you had some landlords that were particularly interested in the Palatines, and one of those was Thomas Suttle in Rakhil or Southwell. The, the family actually pronounced it Suttle. So he lived at Castle Matrix, which was a fortress which had been converted into a manor house and he had 10,000 acres. So uh, he initially took 10 families and he settled them at Court Court Matrix, uh, just outside of Rathkeel. And later he went around the country and gathered up palatines that weren't happy in other parts of the country, brought them down here to Rathkeel and extended his Court Matrix settlement. He much extended it. And he had uh, new new colonies at Killaheen and Ballengran. So to find out more
0: about the Palatines that arrived in Kerry, my first call was back to Awnesgall to meet Robert and Sandra Hoffman at their home. I'm here in Ballinadreen, outside Awnesgall and I'm talking to Robert Hoffman and his wife Sandra. And lovely to be in your kitchen this morning with the, the lovely clock behind us ticking away. You're very welcome, Mars. Thank you. Um, I'm here to find out more about your background, uh, the Palatines. Um, tell me first how far back can you trace your family, Robert? Uh,
4: well, we're in Annesdale. Since, uh, well, first they came to Ireland in 1709, I believe. That's when they landed in Ireland. And, uh, they came as far as Red Keel, and they were in Red Keel for a number of years, and uh, finished up in in Bally. Valley uh, McElligot. Valley McElligot. and eventually came westward to Underscall. Uh, uh, my great grandfather was the station master in Underscall, and at that time they, they got the land in Underscall as well. They got uh, fifty acres in Underscall, and uh, we're here since we're here five generations now in in the same farm.
0: And it was interesting to find out that Robert's wife Sandra, her own name was Mason, but she had Palatine connections.
5: My maternal grandmother was a Palatine as well, she was Fitzsell. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting how the,
0: it, it, you kind of kept together, you know. Was that an accident? or? The, no. no, no,
4: it was no, a oh, pure accident, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
6: But when you
0: found out that Sandra was Palatine. The, the oh, that made no difference, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> To, to, no, it no. was
4: because her beauty swung with Really, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't the so. fact that she was
0: palatine.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yes. but I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it's nice to have you know, that connection as well because your uh, Robert's grandmother, uh, Bob Hoffman's wife, was a sell as well from North Kerry as from well. North she Canada. was a palatine as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. on the, on Robert's father's side, it was all uh, it was all palatine. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, so and, and the Fitzell, they they kind of settled around Tarbert area. They did, first, yes, yeah. yeah.
5: My grandmother came from Lestol, to near Listowel but there was there's a lot there was a lot of Fitzells in the Tarbert area and also in the Kilmiley area. But I think yeah. there were maybe the Listowel Fitzells and the Tarbert Fitzells may have been related, but I think the Kilmiley Fitzells were a different a different group again. You know,
0: life didn't always run smooth for the Hoffmans. And in the nineteenth century, they had difficulty with the landlords. They went through hard times in, in the farm here because they
4: were evicted at the uh, out of the farm. Oh,
0: totally, uh,
4: yeah. Around, I think it was eighteen eighty. That way, believe believe it or not, they, they were they were uh, evicted because they couldn't pay the rent. I think the rent was was risen at the time, and uh, I think they... The landlord expected the Hoffmans would pay the rent, being church of Ireland as well probably, and but the Hoffmans joined in with the locals and they objected to pay for you know raising the rent and they were evicted, you know, and they were they were living in the side of the road seemingly for seven years, at that time living over in in top of the stage and back in 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 in, uh, Minard or Kennard, Minard Minard, and uh, eventually they got back into the farm again. And uh, there was 20 acres taken off of them as a penalty or back rent or whatever you want to call it. You know, when they came back, they had 70 acres when they left. Yeah. And uh, when they came back, they had 50.
0: Yeah. You know. Why? Right. Who was the landlord? Uh, any idea? Uh, I,
4: I think it was Hussie. Sam Hussey. Okay. You know. Would have been the agent. Would have been the agent. Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I think so. I think so,
0: um, and uh, that part—I mean—that's fascinating—and and so living rough or oh, living rough, living yeah. rough, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the side,
4: because uh, I, I met another lady actually uh, in in nursing home in camp at one time. She was a Eilish, uh, 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 Sullivan, and we—I got to know her, and she asked my name one night, and. Uh, and I said, I think my, my ancestors lived in, in Minard at one time. She said, I remember my grandfather telling us about that, the Hoffmans living on the side of the road, yeah. you know, and depending on the neighbours to <coughs> give them milk or give them yeah. whatever, like, you know. Yeah. And they had young kids at the time, you know. But um, uh, strangely enough, it, it, it took 100 years, over 100 years, to the farm come back again. We got the 20 acres back. Eventually.
0: Wouldn't it be lovely to know how, how that happened, you know, why, how they got back into it again?
4: Well, it, 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 it happened, in, they were evicted, we would say, 1880, that way roughly, mm-hmm. and uh, in 1992, my, we bought the farm back in February 1992, and I remember be, prior to that we'd be out in the fields working with my father, and my father used to smoke the pipe. I know this has nothing to do with it, but he would smoke the pipe and he'd take off his cap and put the cap on the ground and go down on one knee and he'd be smoking the pipe and he'd start talking about the 20 acres. I wonder will we ever get it back, you know? Because you could see the fence, you could see the gaps, you know, where the cattle used to go through at one time. It was yeah. built up with stone, Yeah. but when, when, the, when the briars and everything would, would die down during the winter, you'd see where the gap was, you know? Yeah. And he used to always wonder, I wonder will we ever, ever get it back again, you know? And in 1992, in February 1992, we, we bought the farm back. And he died the 9th of April
0: 1992. So, you know, did just, he, just in time to see it? Just in time. I'm here in the spa and I'm talking to Anne Glazier. And I'm talking to you, Anne, uh, about your Palatine background. So, the name Glazier, was that spelled incorrectly or is that the right no, name?
7: It, was, it changed from the original name. Uh, It has all kinds of spellings. For starters, they didn't know how to spell it or whatever. Look, it became G-L-A-Z-I-E-R. But our family, are G-L-E-A-S-U-R-E, for generations, we don't know why it was ever changed. There was a a story sometime that my great-grandfather or somebody like that, maybe the First World War or whatever, felt it was sounding very German, and because of the war... He changed it, but, but I have no proof of that.
0: Did they get here first from West Limerick? That's, have you any idea?
7: Blennerhasset, whichever Blennerhasset was there at the time, he went up to Limerick in 1745 because he knew these people had come, and he knew that they were fantastic workers. So he brought a whole colony of them down to Belly Ballymacelligot, and they settled. He settled them all around there the main house in Belly because another thing they were given when they came when they came to Ireland, they were each given a musket for protection. And Blennerhassett put them all around Belly as close to the main house as he could, because they were great protection for him. And that's why there are so many Church of Ireland people in Belly today. And they're, again, tremendous workers, made great success of the land, and... Um, that's about it. Yeah. but our people, and your
0: people then you right. See,
7: I haven't yet found out whether hmm. they came in 1745 with Blennerhassett Hassett or 1775. All I know is they settled in, in they were given land in Kilflin. They were tenant farmers until they could buy their farms the same as the Irish. And after so many years, I don't know exactly how many years, but it wouldn't have been more than 10. the preferent, preferential rents they were given at that time the landlords, it, that was a length of time, and after that they had to pay the same rent as the Irish.
0: Anne talks about her father and his generation, and when he was growing up in Kilflyn, he had difficulty with his schooling days.
7: The, all that family, they went to the Catholic school in Kilflyn. But going home from school, they were tormented by the stu- the other students because, of course, they were very much a minority, and they were pelted with stones and called proddies and all this kind of thing. So when that happened, they then went up to Kappa School. The next Monday morning, they went up to Kappa School, and they'd be there until the same thing happened with the children there. And then, when it happened there, they went down to Clan Douglas. There was a national school in Clan Douglas as well, which is down below Kilflynn, and. And by the time it happened there, they, they then went back to the school in Kilflin again. Oh, and I, I was teaching Kilflin for a good while. And um, the master there, Mr. Lynch, I think was his name, showed me the old roles where all their names were. And they were all very bright. They won scholarships into the Green Tree, which was a Catholic secondary school, and the girls as well. But they weren't allowed to go. Because very Catholic ethos you see in all those schools. And only the last two, at the end of the line of 10, uh, John and Victor were the only ones who came in and did their leaving in Tralee the Green School. All the rest finished school, they could have gone to boarding school, they, they were bright enough, to, that teacher, that master told me they were they were all very bright and they did win scholarships so they would easily have got into Protestant colleges all over the place. But there was this thing, uh, two of my uncles had it very much, they believed that if especially if young fellows and girls too were educated they wouldn't be able to do work farms anymore. And for that reason, they didn't send them. And my uncle... Now, my father's brother, Adam, like I said, he was a champion plowman in his day and had won matches all over Munster. And they were noted in Kilflin, the land was hilly. And in the evening, if they ploughed a field, they went up to the village, which was five miles, well, no, it was only a couple of miles yeah. up, and they could see the land. And if the ridges, if there was the slightest bit off, they went back and did the whole thing all over again. But you see, we have to remember, there were plenty of them there to do it, and time was yes. of no importance then.
0: Another well-known Palatine name in Kerry are at the Banneries. And I called to Michael Clifford to find out more about that family. I'm talking to Michael Clifford about the history of the, the Banners here in Tralee. Michael, you're steeped in the, the knowledge of, of the Banners.
2: I married um, Billy Banner's daughter, Diana, who died uh, quite young. But uh, when Diana died, I was always interested in passing on information to my kids, because after all, they were Banner descendants. Uh, about the Benner family and uh, when Dana died I inherited the Benner family home and at that stage after Dana died and I was looking at various items and we came across a case a small case with the complete history of the Benners and I took a huge interest in reading this on a regular basis and passing it on to my kids.
0: You have the family tree here so do you know when when the banners arrived. They settled up around Gran and and Rakeel. Yeah,
2: In Rakie, yeah.
0: yeah. Now, when did they start coming down this direction?
2: Uh, roughly around about 17 1780, 17 I know that Benners Hotel was built in 1790. Right. Uh, and
0: Which banner built that hotel?
2: The gentleman the here Samuel behind oh, the, the, here. Portrait of the portrait. Of here the portrait here we band have band of Samuel yes. here. Yeah. And He was from 1763 to 1832, and uh, he married an Anne Cronsbury, who was a Palatine as well. Yeah. And he had no more interest in the land. There was a lot of problem with the land because, after all, they were planted. The Palatines were planted. And I found out in several things, there's lots of court cases where the Benners had supplanted locals, and there was a lot of problems, court cases and this, because the they had trouble from the land, the original landowners who now have no land. So Samuel Bernard decided, look, I'd prefer to go into business and get out of the agri business. So he, he was contacted by um, Sir John Blanhurst at, at the time. He wasn't sir, but he um, he contacted them and said, look, why don't you come to Tralee? Kerry, and they settled in Ballymugget that area, and pretty soon afterwards, they decided because Anne Cransbury was from a family that were very big into crafts and cooking and all this type of thing.
0: When did Dingle
2: start? Then, yeah, Robert then decided um, with Margaret they were very very entrepreneurial uh, together with their father who was Samuel here. They decided they would look for a place in Dingle and they bought and or I don't know whether they built it or not, but they uh, acquired um, Dingle then into the group as well. It had only 14 bedrooms at the time. And Robert and Margaret left Tralee mm. and lived there in this hotel. So now they had. What year was that? That was, I think, uh, 1840, 1850, just after the famine.
0: I also spoke to another member of the Banner family Claire Banner who had been married to Leslie and who sadly passed away and I asked Claire about the women in the Banner family
8: starting with the grandmother uh, Leslie's grandmother was the matriarch of the family and her two daughters were her her two daughters Nesta and Doris uh, were very close to her all their life, everything. Mother was very important to them. And um, then my father-in-law was Billy, their brother, who they idolized as well. Doris worked all the the time in in the hotel till she went to South Africa for a few years. But she did, she worked in the hotel and worked very hard, um, ran the farm, ran the hotel, under well they had a manageress as well but Doris bought everything she was very business like very good at business very good with money Next um, Nesta married I presume she married a bit younger and to Franz Latchford and um, so she wouldn't have been as involved well it was just such another era I suppose I was always for 40 years I was very friendly with Doris because um, she had no children and we just had the same interest in art and gardening and kind of, she liked beautiful things, she wasn't in any way extravagant, she would have had things passed down for generations but she always knew you know, she was had a great knowledge about everything. She was... Yeah. Yeah. And I loved her stories about going to school in Alexandra and her father dressing up. And it, nobody in trade, they would have regarded the hotel business as trade. And Alexandra was the first kind of public school English, uh, based on the English system. And... Um, it was in Stephen's Green but anyhow her father dressed himself up and he was full of charm and he, Nesta and herself, were accepted into and she she told me about all the people there and um, going up by ship from Tralee and it was you know and the fires breaking out in Limerick and having and arriving holding on to the funnel of the ship and arriving then in Dublin covered in soot. (laughs) Yes. And they'd be brought then to Stevens Green by coach.
0: And Claire was talking about the Civil War years there when her friend Doris left Tarbert uh, in a boat to go to Dublin. But now we move to the Latchfords and the Latchfords came in with the Palatines and they brought with them industrious skills, uh, conscious of their own identity, Inquisitive and curious, and great business people.
1: But if you think a family rented eight acres and they paid rent, um, and then I think in 1740 the rents were quadrupled. Now it might have been easy at the beginning, but I don't know how families actually survived or how on earth we came southwest and how did john by a farm in Lestole. i don't know how they saved money um i think it's pretty amazing what the families who came to kerry did manage to do
0: and they started milling
1: uh, well no they started baking before that oh, wasn't? Uh, and i think the palatines were um horticulturists, growers small farmers and bakers mm-hmm. they had a v- great reputation for um fairly modern agricultural methods and baking. So John bought this farm in Lestole where the mill was eventually built, but he also started the bakery in Tralee.
0: When was that? Um, late seventeen hundreds. Yeah. And so the the, the the baking side of it was is, is something that I find interesting. That, that generated uh you know it was the beginning of the entrepreneurial of the latchfords that you know then they started to spread out and and started the food mill um
1: yeah you see i think the baking must have come through the dna of the palatines the way they were brought up the way the other palatines lived um there were other millers i mean milling flour so milling flour and baking, I suppose, went hand in love.
0: Yes, yes, of course, it, it, it did. But that um, marvellous building now that's here in Tralee, yeah, uh, yeah. the mill, I mean, that. Th- 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 what's the, the background to that mill? Um,
1: that's where the grain was stored. Um, that's where the grain was elevated up to the top floor. Um, what is it five floors high, I think um, lifted on sacks yeah uh, up up planks mm-hmm. and then up on a on an auger um that's where the corn was dried and it's where the corn was turned turned with these big huge wooden shovels and the the milling would have tied in with the farming and the growing of wheat and barley and and oats,
0: yeah, yeah, and there were plenty of of farmers to bring in the, 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 the barley and the oats. And
1: there were it, lots uh, North Kerry back then was a wonderful farming community. Tralee was a wonderful farming town. Um, walk down Tralee any mart day. It could have been geese, it could have been pigs, bonhavs, calves, cattle, horses. And half the people you'd meet in the street would be farmers mm-hmm. and farmers wives.
6: Uh, it's going back now in my booklet here to uh, the first man here was 1620 that's Johann Jakob Schweitzer S C H W E I T Z E R, and he was married to Eva Rinner, who passed away and then he married Elizabeth Kesselling and they married in the Asenheim in the Files in Germany
0: Okay so at what stage did they make the journey over here To Ireland? They
6: made a journey. They arrived in Ireland in 1709. Uh, Descendants of this man, obviously. There would have been two brothers. One was Michael, and the other was Christopher. Christopher is my part of the family, and Michael is the the, the, um, ancestor of Switzer's stores in Dublin, the department stores famous in Dublin, and Michael Switzer was their ancestor. And... um, Obviously, they came into West Limerick and settled in Court Matrix. And the they were my great grandfather then would have come there from that area down here to tralee and he, he got married here in tralee
0: At what stage did they did they leave West Limerick to come to, to Kerry?
6: Uh I'd say my grandfather left um I'd say probably the 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 late eighteen fifties, I'd say to come to Kerry because he got married. I'll just tell you now in a second when I turn my page here. And uh the twelfth of the first in eighteen eighty one in St John's Church in Tralee. And he was he was actually he was a Methodist when he came, so he had to change his religion to get married. And he, he was they got married on uh May the twelfth, uh or the 12th, January the twelfth, eighteen eighty one. And he was baptized into the church on January eleventh, eighteen eighty-one.
0: My goodness, who did he
6: marry? They married Catherine Flynn from Abbeyfield. She uh, she used to work as a housekeeper here in one of the houses in, in Denny Street, and uh, obviously they knew each other before she left to come down here. And he was he was a, a shoemaker, and he had his own uh, he had his own shoe shop, and they lived in Rock Street. Yeah over Near the castle, where the castle bar is now. Oh yes. That's where they had their, their, their uh, house up there, and um, they were their family there then. And um, one of their family then would have been my grandfather, whom you, you know very well yourself. Uh, his name was Christopher Tobias,
0: and he um, he joined uh, O'Keefe's firm uh, at the age of sixteen. Yeah, he was yeah.
6: there over over seventy years actually. He yeah. was seventy years plus there, as an upholsterer, and I often visited him up there in, in the in the workshop. And there was another man there. He was a joiner, uh, carpenter joiner, used to do the repairs, on the timber path the the stuff to come in. His name was John Hickey. Okay. I think, is, 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 yeah. if I remember rightly, and I often saw just visited the workshop and I would meet them there, like you know.
0: So this podcast has come to an end, but the project is ongoing and will include many other Palatine families living both here in Kerry and also in County Limerick. So the full length recordings will become available to listen to on our website. That's www.irishlifeandlore.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week.